Hello everyone and welcome fellow piercers and piercing enthusiasts to Real Talk, a piercing podcast from the minds of piercing professionals on the body modification industry and culture. Each episode we will center on a common theme with a guest. We will cover topics including things such as piercing methods, industry topics, jewelry, and trends. I'm your host Will Von Doom, a professional body piercer and proud member of the Association of Professional Piercers. So let's get straight to the point and dive into this week's topic. Welcome back, everyone. In this week's episode, we get to interview our most requested guest, Alan of Bella Fine Jewelry and Piercing and his company, Origins Handmade. Alan has been a veteran of the body piercing industry for a number of years. But while piercing, he has also been designing handmade body jewelry with locally sourced stone and minerals. So without further ado, listen in as we discuss how having a jeweler at your studio can affect your business, how classic jewelry styles are being used in modern pieces, and how sharing information is key to our success as an industry. Alan, why don't you go ahead and tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, my name is Alan. I am a Puri. Um, yeah, I do a lot more than that outside of the shop, but that's the basics of it for this podcast. Cool. And where are you located? I'm in Asheville, North Carolina. Right. I do have to say that you are our most requested guest for the show uh, since the history of the show. And I think that comes from the crazy, unique stone jewelry that you handcraft in... You're located inside Bella Studios, correct? Yes, I am. Okay, cool. Oh, Bella Fine Piercing and Jewelry, excuse me. How do you like working within uh, basically a join to a piercing studio? Um, it's awesome. We just recently remodeled the studio, so I'm no longer like a separate room. My studio is kind of in our lobby with a drive through style window that opens to the lobby. So if I'm hammering or sawing or doing anything loud i can shut the window and not drive clients crazy but most of the day i've got the window open so clean they can hang out and talk to me if somebody needs a bizarre sized seam ring or if somebody likes a piece but wants a different stone in it like i can have something made for them while they go grab lunch and come back and get pierced with it. I think that's absolutely amazing. I, re- I really do. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, I think the fact that our industry is is plagued, I mean, there's no other word for it, with long wait times. So, for example, trying to get like a custom, you know, gold piece with a certain stone could take, you know, 8 to 12 weeks on average. And you're basically doing it like in an hour to two hours, which has to be absolutely amazing for your studio. and also for your business too. Yeah, it's great. I think I think sometimes it's hard for clients to wrap their head around our end of stuff, especially when it's a, what looks to them like a really simple request. And then we have to tell them like, oh, it's going to be two months, three months, whatever, which just is what it is. It happens. But you know, when it doesn't have to happen and somebody can stand here and watch their piece get made and talk to me about their cats while I do it, like it's a pretty awesome environment. I'm pretty spoiled. Yeah. I think the fact that they can sit there and actually watch you craft the piece just adds so much more meaning to it, like in general. And I've, I've been to your studio 
a handful of times already. Every time I go to Asheville for a concert or like to to pop around with the missus. And every time I go in there, you just have more and more awesome new jewelry. And it, it really is uh, putting a dent in my, my jewelry savings pocket. But that's okay because eventually I'm going to grab a few pieces from you. Sure. But uh, yeah, so uh, you're extremely well known for your unique pieces. And from what I gather, they're kind of don't know if this is the right word, but kind of like an older style of jewelry making. Why don't you explain a little bit about your unique settings? Yeah, so everything I do is I like to use just really kind of rudimentary methods. I don't do anything with casting or wax carving. I love those mediums because it's such a reproducible thing and you can make a piece and cast it and they're all consistent and clean and look really good. But something to me about everything being hand forged everything i use is you know hammers and files and a torch something about that just makes every piece come out slightly different even if i'm just making you know a three millimeter gold bezel with a cab in it like the fact that the cab is hand cut and the bezel is hand forged and all that like it's going to come out a little wobbly and a little weird and like to me that's a really good thing (laughs) like seeing each piece like just slightly different than the next is like i don't know that's just what handmade stuff is about to me yeah i like the the raw natural feel to your pieces i think just having not i mean don't get me wrong like it is rad to have like a crystal smooth like incredibly shiny piece of jewelry but me personally like to have something that's like raw and I'm just going to use the word for me because all the pieces that I've looked at from you have been like like smoky quartz, like that raw kind of powerful look to them. And it's just super appealing to me as a person. I can really see how a lot of clients can really get behind all those pieces. And some are like a little subtle and some are a little more, you know, jagged. And I, I think they're great. Yeah, it's super fun. And I love the the more precise, refined cast stuff. Like I, like I have so much respect for what it takes to do that stuff too. And I wear a lot of that stuff that, you know, it's definitely not a thing of like, Ooh, I hate pieces that are too pretty or too clean or whatever. Cause that's a whole other level of skill in itself. And maybe it's just that I'm not good at that stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it could just be a case of like, well, when I try to make something perfect, it's not. So I'd rather everything be imperfect and flawed and, and a little bit weird. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's not a negative thing. It's just like a different different end of the spectrum. So it's it is really awesome because this, I've seen a lot of clients that come into your studio and they find a happy medium between the pieces that you make and the I'm just going to call them like crystal polished, flissly done cabs and things like that. It, it's it's kind of awesome, and especially with your clientele being in Asheville, like being in the mountains and stuff. I think it really speaks to them as well. Yeah, absolutely. Especially lately, I moved on to a friend's property that I'm living outside of town. And there's a creek and a river on the property. And I'm able to, like a lot of the quartzes and citrines that I'm using now are just stuff that I've found while out with the dog in the morning or whatever. So I think especially our local clients love to have that level of connection with a piece that they come in and see a piece that's like not just made locally but the stone was also found locally and you know a lot of the times i've got some weird story about like oh i was doing this that morning and i found this piece of quartz or whatever like yeah but those are the things that just make pieces amazing for real i i you know 
I would I would have been terrible in like the 1900s because like any dude yelling on the street would be like, let me tell you this crazy story about this thing that I found. I would have been like, take my money, <laughs> sir. You know, so but like to, to have a story like yeah. that, be like, you know, I was I was walking Patrick and like I got, you know, this stone and I found it in the river or blah, 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 blah. All of that is kind of like this big story that we sell into this piece. And and man, that's awesome. If I was a client of yours, well, I am a client of yours. If I was that client, I would just eat that right up because the more meaningful the piece is to the maker, I believe that like, I'm going to go a little hippie here, a little of that like energy slash <laughs> like, um, like feeling goes into the piece when you get to wear it. Yeah. I, I think it helps too with the, I, I feel like we look at body jewelry a lot as this really disposable thing. Like you get a nose piercing and you know, you hear clients all the time say like, well, I'll just get this one for now. Cause I'm going to change it right. later. Or even, even us as piercers, like every time styles change, trends change, we get new pieces. The old ones just go live in a drawer and we never see it again. And it's been really cool throughout my piercing career to see body jewelry and fine jewelry sort of mix together more and more now to the point that a piece of body jewelry is an heirloom quality thing that you might like potentially pass on to children or, you know, like it's, it's a thing that is going to last forever and not just a like, well, I'll get this for now or, you know, I'll wear this for a year or two until I'm bored with it and get something new or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's really cool to see pieces that just have that sort of long term I always call them forever pieces. When I explain them to clients, I'm like, this is a forever piece. I was like, you can move it to your ear, you can move it to your nose. I was like, I mean, we don't recommend sharing jewelry, but I'm like, you know, when your daughter wants to get her nose pierced in like 25 years because you haven't had a daughter yet, this is a piece, you know, like, and I think that's something that our industry hasn't really thought about, but is starting to be thought about because let's be real for the last, you know, I want to say 60, 70 years, like piercing has been mainstream enough where that's when heirlooms start getting made, like, you know, about a hundred years later. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But I mean, I'm, I'm very excited to see uh, what that will actually bring to our industry as well. Cause I don't think piercing is really going. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, yeah, kind of the same way. I mean, I've always been on the extreme side maybe of like not reusing, doing things disposable and whatever. But I think as jewelry progresses in this direction, we're going to hit a really interesting, tough spot of like, at what point is a piece of jewelry worth, you know, has resale value or like, you know, somebody spends upwards of five figures on a piece of jewelry, you know, like it's like at that point, like to tell them like, well, if something happens with your dot piercing, like this is just a useless piece of trash now (laughs) like and and can only sit on a counter or in your drawer in a display or something it's like well at some point the body jewelry world is gonna be confronted with what do we do with a piece when it's ready for a second owner and and like i don't have a good answer for that i like i'm very conflicted about that too like we don't reprocess pieces between clients or anything like that so it's a kind of like i don't know that's going to be a sticky one it's one thing to steam clean somebody's wedding ring and and sell it at a pawn shop and it's another when it's right exactly jewelry <laughs> like i mean that is something that we're probably going to have to cross that bridge and i think it's probably going to happen sooner than later maybe in the next like 10 15 years cuz i mean people are selling yeah. septum pieces that are 
10, 15 grand. Like, and that's not a rare occurrence anymore. I mean, that happens pretty regularly now. So what are you going to tell this person? Be like, yeah, I mean, I can pop all the garnets out of that if you want to, and I can jam them into something else. I mean, that might be an option, but honestly, if, if they spent that much, who knows? That is, woo. Man, that is a sticky situation to even think about. We'll start thinking about it now. So. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just an internet. But I think it really, like, regardless of how it ends up being handled, I just think it really shows the direction that the body jewelry industry has gone that we're not making, you know, it's not just when I started, like, a client came in and wanted a nose piercing and it was like, maybe not a nose piercing. We had a few different stone options, but, you know, so you came in and got a tragus piercing. It was like, cool, do you want a ring or a bar? <laughs> Like, and that was just like, those were your options. And now it's like, we've got a million options and it's actual nice jewelry. And it's something that, you know, it's not unrealistic that if you were to have to take that piercing out, it's still a nice piece of jewelry and then what? But I don't know. I think it's very interesting to see that we've progressed that far that now we're getting hit with questions like this that we didn't even have to think about 10 years ago. People like yourselves that are the jewelry makers are the ones that are thinking about this. I spoke to uh, Mike Knight the other day because he actually made an engagement ring and a lot of people kind of asked him about it. And one of the things that was brought up is they have all this jewelry that has all these unique stones in them. Could he essentially take them out and put them into a ring? And that is a possibility. But some people are really attached to their jewelry. So we'll see where that goes. Yeah, absolutely. Alan, I have a question for you personally. And that is, I'm trying to remember what it's called because I'm really bad at it. You take stones and put other stones on top of them uh, to create like a unique look. I'm, (laughs) I'm terrible and I can't remember what it's called. But can you talk about that a little bit? Because that's one of the things our listeners have been asking. Absolutely. Yeah. Doublets are something that when I first started cutting stone and cabs, I saw and was just like blown away by like it's such a there's so much depth to them and such a unique look. There's a long history of them being used for different reasons. So basically, very simple, like a doublet is two stones that are finished very smooth on one side and then joined together. They can either be joined by the bezel itself or a lot of more modern ones. There's some sort of epoxy as like kind of a fail safe so that they don't get bumped around in a bezel. But usually I just use the bezel itself to kind of hammer them down tight and join the two together. But you can do sometimes even triplets are done with opals where there will be some sort of like black jade on the back and then a thin slice of white opal and then quartz on top. A lot of, I think Mike talked about it a little bit when you interviewed him, like they're actually kind of a, at one point weren't a positive thing. People would put like a slice of emerald on top of quartz and make it look like a huge faceted emerald and kind of cheat the system a little bit. A lot of the ones that I've seen in like antique jewelry are opals and the reason they're done with opals is opals are really soft but if you put a piece of quartz on top of the opal it kind of magnifies that shiller effect that the opal has that really flashy like bright color stuff and it makes the opal a little more resistant to scratches or chips or anything like that so you can put a piece of quartz on top of the opal and just acts like a magnifying lens i have been playing around a lot with like kind of weird stone combinations for doublets i did an art show that was all fine jewelry stuff a few years ago i think it's two or three years ago now and i did a lot of like labradorite with termalated quartz on top so that you would see the labradorite through it and it would get magnified but then you'd also see these little tourmaline spears 
kind of in another space above it. And so it had this really cool amazing. like depth to it. Yeah. Or like I did some, and I'm not the first person to do this. There's other jewelers that have played around with like kind of modern, unique takes on doublets. I did some with like Lapis that then had, Lapis has little speckles of pyrite in it. So it's got little gold flecks in it. And then I did some gold rutile quartz over it. So there was like little gold needles above this gold speckly Lapis. But yeah, I've been playing around with it a lot more lately. Um, trying to do more of it in body jewelry. It works really well for bigger pieces like for conches um, because you can go pretty big on that kind of piece and and still get a lot of depth to the piece. And I've been doing a lot of them with rough quartz, anything that forms with like a naturally terminated point, but especially like optically clear quartz that you can see through all of the flat planes on it. So then doing like an opal or labradorite or some sort of dark stone under the quartz um i just recently did one with a a what was it a pink sapphire on the bottom and then optically clear quartz on top and it was a really fun combo but just trying to mix up colors and depth and stuff like that i really like that stuff quite a bit and i think those are the pieces that really stick out to me when i think of your jewelry company and i think the first one I saw was an opal with quartz on top. And then I was like, that piece looks really rad. And then I saw it in person and I was like, Whoa, man, this photo does not do it justice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like they're really hard to photograph. Uh, tremendously. It was even worse. Like, I, like, I was like, can but... I take this out? Get it outside. You're like, yeah, sure. Go for it. And it's, it is absolutely breathtaking that yeah. you can get this, the way that I look at stones. And like I said, kind of a weird kind of like, hippie energy transfer thingy is the fact that you have like raw nature like slammed on the bottom of this thing and then containing it with another piece of you know quartz on top it's just kind of you have a little bit of like chaos but it's a little bit capped off with a little bit of chaos but matched with uh you know i don't want to say safety but you know like a little bit of clarity on top of it there we go let's go with that (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) but yeah no they're super great and i and i think too even with the little bit of a raw designs with the doublet style is really what you're well known for in my opinion and i think it's really great because when people think about it they obviously you know think about you yeah I, it's really fun i really like it i'm i'm glad i've been able to do it with body jewelry stuff because it's not something that that i had ever seen done before i think it's neat because you get you get such a like color and depth combo like did a piece with chrysoprase that had rutilated quartz on top and at a glance it just looks like chrysoprase because it's just that really right. bright like really solid green color but then when you kind of see the piece from a side or a 45 degree angle you start to see like the rough quartz point sticking out of it and you can especially from a side view you can see like the little needles in the rutile and like just a really unique kind of look to it that looks good from all sides and all dimensions and yeah I don't know. It it really is rad. I, I do think it's great too. And then a lot of those pieces also have that like handmade hammered bezel setting to go along with them. Yeah, they really have to. Um just the way the quartz points form, like I have to make it's one of the reasons they're incredibly time consuming to make, because the bezel has to be formed around 
the shape the stone gives me to work with. And sometimes I will slightly cut and repolish like the base of a quartz point. If it comes out at an angle that doesn't allow the bezel to fold over it, it would just fall right out of the setting. So sometimes I'll have to like lower the base of the point before I set the doublet or like take an edge off or something. But I try to keep this stone as natural as possible on top and just alter it enough that it'll hold solid in the setting. But yeah, it's, I I love that about them too, is that every one of them is super unique because I'm, I'm not taking a pre-made bezel that's a certain size and shape and then dropping a stone in it. Like I'm taking the stone first and carving it and you know carving the doublet underneath and then creating this bezel around it to to fit it so it if i wanted to make a pair of them i couldn't like if somebody was like i want a matching set of these for my conscience i'd be like well (laughs) the cousins but not twins yeah i (laughs) I think that's a really good point to bring up too i'm I mean, there is obviously, we hear it in our industry all the time, be like, oh, these are all handmade. There's a very big difference between being handmade and being hand set, you know, and there's nothing wrong between the two. But I think it's really important to to know the difference. And your pieces show what true handmade jewelry actually looks like, which I think just adds to their uniqueness and really complements the stones themselves. Yeah, absolutely. I've always thought that was an interesting question, like what handmade means, like because there's some stuff that I do that people would consider maybe not handmade. Like I use, I use a rotary tool a lot just because it speeds up like finishing and polishing things. Whereas I could be using, you know, emery paper and, and various grits of files and like doing that much slower. But it's like, you know, to me, that's just kind of a, there's a modern tool to do this kind of thing, but to someone else that could be total blasphemy. So I try not to be too judgy about like what is handmade or what's not, but I also try to like really keep that in focus when I make stuff of like, you know, I want people to to know that this was done in a certain way or that, you know, that it's a really special yeah. piece and that a lot of work went into it or whatever. Cool. So I have to ask, Alan, out of all of the jewelry that you actually make, what's your favorite thing to make? Ooh, that's a tough question. <laughs> Personally, the piece that you've made that I love the most are the conch pieces that are uh, black tourmaline. I saw them and I was like, man, yeah, those are the pieces yeah. that I'm eventually going to have if they're not here when I come back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do love black tourmaline or oh, even so good. like green and watermelon tourmaline. I really love any of that stuff. Yeah, I, I think the rough stone pieces lately, I mean, I think everybody that makes stuff or whether it's music or anything, you kind of go through phases of like, this is my thing right now. And like, Right now, I just really love like looking at a chunk of quartz or, you know, citrine or whatever and like being like, okay, cool. How do I make a bezel to fit? Like, will this piece work? Like, can I make a bezel to fit it? If I do, how big is it going to be? Like, it's really interesting. I've been really into doing channel set stuff with. Uh, rough diamonds lately too like completely uncut just raw diamonds like channel set into was it quartz with a whole bunch of rough diamonds around it was that one of the yeah i did a, I did a an amethyst with rough diamonds around it yeah that one was really fun but even like septum and doth like rings that have channel set um you know of I did one for my partner the other day that was uh opals and amethyst on the face and then rough diamonds on the bottom 
um, for a septum piece, just all channel set. I just really love the way you can make a channel setting just fold over rough stones really naturally. And it almost looks yeah. like they were melted into place or something. It's a really unique look. Um, it looks really messy and sloppy, but it's like really, really tedious. <laughs> I think all the hammered stuff is kind of the same way too. It's like, it just looks like I left this in the street for a week, but anytime I do a hammered piece also involves like, like finishing and smoothing out hammer marks and then polishing in every one of those little divots that the hammer makes. So it's like really fun while you're just banging on a piece with a hammer <laughs> and then you realize that you've got two hours of finish work ahead of you. And it's like, oh, wow, like this looks like it was just kind of done haphazardly. But the reality is like this was really, really tedious. <laughs> like, yeah, but like those pieces too, like I know that you say you're like, I left them in the street, but like <laughs> honest to goodness, like when you see them in a person, you're like, oh, God damn, what is that? Like you want to go and see it. Like when you look at it in a photo, of course, it's going to look like it was left outside because it's like, you know, one millimeter away from it. But when they're actually right. in a person or anything like that, they look spectacular. And it lets like the little like light kind of like shine in those little tiny gaps and like reflect off the little divots. I don't know, man. I, I'm i just in love with the pieces. So that could just be me. <laughs> yeah, it's it's fun. I love I love anything with texture, anything with depth like that's. That's what I always look for when I look at other pieces or stones or whatever. And so I think it's what I'm kind of naturally drawn to do. But yeah, and I'm lucky too that our, our clients here at the shop are totally down to get some weird stuff. Like we'll have a client come in for their, you know, they have no other piercings and they want their septum pierced. And instead of like, you know, we definitely have the average clients that are like, keep it subtle, whatever kind of people. And that's great. And that's fine too. I think piercing should be accessible to everyone. but like. We also definitely have people that are down to be like, this is my only piercing. I want to make it my thing. Like, I want it to be really bold. I want to make a statement. And they're down to let us get weird a little bit. And it's it's really, really cool. It's also cool if you ever visit Asheville that you will see people with your pieces in them, like all over the place. <laughs> uh, the, the missus and I went up for, uh, who do we see? We saw Father John Misty, like, I think like two weeks ago. And we went to dinner before, and as we were leaving, I saw a young lady, and I was like, I hate to be rude. Can I ask where you got your septum from? And she was like, oh, uh, this guy at Bella made it? His name is Alan? <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. I just wanted to make sure that was the same piece, because it's absolutely amazing. <laughs> and it, it's just kind of interesting That's that awesome. it's just like such a small world, and you see these things. But you definitely are leaving not only your mark in your area, but also like in the industry, because it, right now, there's so many different things, and we're we're approaching an area like we said before with like things we haven't thought about where people are not running out of ideas, but a lot of ideas are starting to mesh together. And I think it's really awesome that you are able to take this stone route with these settings that a lot of people are doing, but add that little twist of making them adding a little bit of uh, like uniqueness with the rough stones and then like the hammered settings and things like that. Yeah, for sure. And I like, I, I think body jewelry is just like any other art world. Like I really want to see other people take the idea and run with it and see what they do with it. And like, like it's definitely not a, a thing of like, I'm the first person to ever do a doublet and no one's allowed to do it. Like I, that mentality just never really works with me. Right. Like I, you know, I, I come from a music background. I went to school for music and the whole, you know, everyone can play a Mozart concerto 
I'm a horn player, but you know, everyone can play that, but you know, like who plays it the way you like it. And like, when you play it, you're going to do slightly different things and everybody's tone is a little different. And like, so I kind of love the idea of like bringing a new idea into the industry, but then seeing where it goes from there and seeing like what happens, what this leads to or whatever. Like, you know, I definitely wasn't the first person in the industry to do hammered stuff. There were other companies doing really beautiful hammered designs um, and that's something that I really liked and kind of borrowed that element and brought to this other thing. And yeah, I just think that kind of collaboration and progression is like so important to an industry as creative as ours. Like our whole industry is based around being unique and being creative. And it's just so neat to see that in play. Yeah. And we were talking before we started recording the episode about your interactions with Mike Knight, who owns other couture jewelry, who also sponsors the podcast. Thanks, Mike. But uh, (laughs) the neat thing that I like about both of you guys, and the reason why I actually had both of you guys on the show is because how open you are to like helping people understand what you do and also help people out if they're trying this out. You know, you're not like, that's my thing. Don't do it. Go away. You're, you're both very like, Hey, this is what I had to do in order to make that work. You know, if you have questions, like, let me know that kind of thing. And I think that's what you stated. I think it's incredibly important because if we kind of close ourselves off, we're not going to progress or like have these new designs or anything like that. Like if you didn't have the chance to have anything hammered, that may have influenced on how you made jewelry. I think it's rad that you guys do it. And I think it's even like better that the industry is starting to become a little more open with sharing information with each other. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think maybe in Mike's case, his stuff is just so good. He could show people how to do it and they still That's could. also true. <laughs> I, think <it's> a case. <laughs> I think he could show me how he does that and I'd be like, oh, well, you're, that's you. <laughs> like, cool, man. Like, he's just too good. Um, he cracks me up a lot, too. But, uh, I like, he tries, he, uh, I talk to him pretty regularly. And one of the things that he'll do is he'll try to explain, like, the, the hap, not haphazard, but like the, like, difficulties he's having today with, like, this one piece. And I'm just, like, he'll tell me and, basically crickets go off in the background because i don't know what to say i'm like that is more technical than anything i've ever had to do like i don't know how you do it so but um uh but i think it's just a that is a reflection of our industry too Um, we were just talking about this at the shop the other day about like i you know i've been piercing a while now and like it seems like at least when i first started piercing and for a while it was almost like piercers wanted to have like like secrets and like like oh you should never do this unless you've been piercing for 10 years and you should never and it's it was almost like we were supposed to learn things by not doing them and like if someone someone held this like secret knowledge that you could only gain by not doing it for years whereas now we've got you know forums on facebook and we've got this like really solid you know app conference and just and just piercers networking one-on-one with each other and and traveling and guest spotting and visiting shops and like i feel like the flow of information in our industry is just so much more open now and supportive and like i think people whether it's jewelry or piercing i think the the idea that people can like learn from each other and make the industry as a whole better rather than worrying about them being the best is like such a important thing for people to keep in mind. And like, I, yeah, I just, I think that's so cool to see the industry move in that direction. And like, if that means as a jeweler, 
I love we we get there's a jewelry school here in Asheville, um, and we also just get a lot of clients that do like little DIY metalworking stuff or turn wood. There's a client that turns wood plugs, or there's you know people that do a little bit of lapidary stuff or whatever. And I love when they come in because I'm like dude, check out my shop, like check out the MySpace in here, like watch me work. Like I am totally down to like show you how I do anything. Like hopefully I learned some stuff from you too. Like I've, I've had clients come in that were like, Oh, what if you did this? And it was like, Whoa, I never thought to do that. Like I really just think the more information is shared and the more people are down to like bounce ideas off of each other and, and learn from each other, the, the kind of cooler things get for everybody. And now I sound like a hippie too, but uh, no, it's, it's okay. No, I totally understand. That's why, that's why I say it. Cause other people are like, why is he talking about that? But I, yeah, I do think it's really important. Uh, our industry is starting to, to open up and I, I have only been in it for, I think like eight years now or something like that. And when I first started, nobody like it was right on the verge of no one wanting to share, but everyone's starting to open up a little because you don't want to do something wrong and then be bastardized because you did it that way. Right. Or you don't want people to think that you may not be as good as the smoke and mirrors you have on the internet. And I think people are starting to realize it's like, Hey, like, are your clients happy? Cool. Does it work? Rad. Is it safe? Absolutely. Okay. We're good. Yeah. And then they just kind of share a little bit more with you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I worked at a, a jewelry studio, which was really nice to kind of, it's been really nice. And I know Mike's kind of been in this world too, like being able to kind of have one foot in the fine jewelry world and one foot in the body jewelry world is really cool because there's, there's stuff that people in the fine jewelry world would never even think of that we do that would blow their minds that I love about this industry. And then there's other stuff that there's so much to learn from being in this other, you know, we sell jewelry all day, but half of us have never bought a piece of gold jewelry that wasn't body jewelry, you know, or we've never had the experience of like, what's it like to go in a fine jewelry store and have a ring made or have this custom piece made. But the other fun aspect of that was working in a studio with like half a dozen or more other jewelers at any time in the studio and if someone came in to get a ring made or custom request or whatever, it would be like just this kind of collaborative, like group effort of like, Oh cool. How are you going to do this? Or like, what if you did this this way? And like just having that open everyone helping everyone else was just so neat and so fun and such a big process for me growing that I, I couldn't imagine not wanting other people to have that. Yeah. I think it's important just in, I, I hate to say it, and this is, I've been, I've been very hippie, but I'm also very Will Von Dad you know, when <laughs> I say things like this. And that's basically like, if you think you know anything, retire. <laughs> you, should, you should spend every day and try to learn something new or try to evolve one of the things that you think you do well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, Alan, do you have any uh, future projects that you're working on or anything that's down the pipeline that you're super excited about? Yeah, I've always got stuff sitting on my yeah. bench. Um, I've got, I've been doing more and more like fine jewelry requests lately. So got some really fun pieces that should be finished up soon that I'm really excited about on that element that I can't talk a whole lot about. No, it's okay. Um, but yeah, I've been kind of just playing around with the same ideas. I've been doing, getting a lot of requests 
not a lot, but a few requests lately for like bigger, like silver plugs and eyelets with stone settings in them. And I really love doing that kind of design. I think it's a, a really unique after doing stone plugs and librettes and everything for a long time. It's, I think it's a really unique kind of take on that to be able to combine lapidary work with metalsmithing stuff and be able to like do really thin cabs on the front of a pair of plugs that, you know, you can see through a Madagascar agate or whatever is like kind of a really fun, unique thing that I've been doing more and more of lately. Yeah. I don't know. just kind of always playing around with stuff. Well, that's right. I super look forward to like seeing that stuff when you can eventually like let it out in the wild. <laughs> um, so I, I do have to say, Alan, I really appreciate you taking time to come into work early today to to talk to me and kind of share all this information and things that you have. If you'd be so kind, why don't you tell our listeners where they can ask you questions or inquire about orders and also where people can regularly find you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I work at Bella Fine Jewelry and Piercing um, and my studio is right here in the lobby of the shop. Instagram is probably the easiest place to see my stuff and it's Origins Handmade on there. And then also pieces that I have made and ready to go are available on our shop's website, which is bellapiercing.com. Um, or is it .net? I, I don't actually, oh, to, to all of our listeners, that. if you go to our sponsors tab, um, <laughs> you'll actually see a link for Bella Fine Piercing because Derek <laughs> also sponsors this show as well. Uh, Excellent. Because um, I am a terrible person for not remembering that. It's okay. I, um, I yeah, forgot what as, doublets were called. So you're all right. Yeah, as pieces get finished um, and as they're available, those guys are usually up there. I don't really do a lot of custom work these days as far as taking custom requests. Um, just because with my studio space open in the lobby, it I want to keep my time available for kind of like walk-in style clients that want a piece made, but I do keep kind of a running list of this size, this color. Like if I get to it, I'm happy to make it, but you know, I'm not going to take a deposit and promise a deadline or anything like that just because I want to stay available. And I just want the, can sound like a weird artisty person, but like I, I like, being able to come in and make a piece that I just want to make and not have the pressure constantly of like, Oh, I have to make these five pieces this week. And that's all I'm going to get to do. Like, I definitely want to come into work some days and just be like, cool. I want to make this weird thing that somebody may like, or nobody may like, (laughs) but I want to do it. So, you know, it's a little bit of that too. But yeah, if, if people have questions on what's available or what I can do or whatever, they're welcome to hit me up on Instagram or email is just originshandmade at gmail.com also. Right. And we'll make sure to include uh, all those links and the email addresses and the stuff in our week's show notes. Uh, For those of you that live relatively close to Asheville and relatively close for travel for me is about three to four hours, I really recommend just going down to visit for the day. There's a ton of rad stuff to do there. Uh, In addition to that, it also is super vegan, vegetarian friendly, which is really great. And then uh, you can actually see Alan's workplace and also see the amazing studio that is Bella Fine Pearson and Jewelry there. Yeah, we're always down for visitors here. Um, I'm biased, obviously, because I work here, but I love this shop. Um, It's definitely when you walk in, it's not like any other shop I've been in. It's 
super laid back, really warm, like welcoming kind of vibe we have going on. Definitely more of a boutique kind of vibe. And it's really fun. Like we have a lot of fun clients. We just, I don't know, we, this place has just kind of grown into a really unique space that is unlike anything I've seen. And yeah, Asheville, like mountains, good food, like super good beer, anything you could out there possibly want to do. <laughs> <laughs> I know everybody comes in and wants to know what fruit and you're like, which to, of the like, 50 do you want to go to? <laughs> well, no, it's always when Nick and I are working and neither of us drink. So it's just like, I don't know, like this one's got vegan tacos. <laughs> like it's kind of a, like, I don't know what to tell you about what beer is good. Like, yeah, I'm just going to go drink water. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, like I said, I super appreciate you taking your time to, to speak with us and tell us all about your jewelry. Um, personally right now I'm going to disappear to go ruck with a 40 pound bag on my back, which is nothing compared to your like 87 <laughs> miles that you run on a daily basis. But, uh, yeah, hopefully I'll be up there soon. And, uh, well, uh, stop in and visit, and we'll see what you have on the bench. I'm sure since our interview, Alan has ran up and down 15 mountains. It's astounding how much he can run and also how much he enjoys running. I would like to take a second to apologize to Derek for mispronouncing Bella Fine Jewelry and Piercing throughout this episode. I didn't realize it until after the recording when I was editing this week's piece. You can find Alan and his beautiful pieces that we talk about on his Instagram as Origins Handmade. As for his other work, you can see his and many other well-done piercings at bellapiercing.com. In other news, I just returned from a trip back from upstate New York. I didn't have a chance to perform any piercings on this trip, but I set things up to run a pop-up piercing shop on my next visit. So hopefully after that trip, I can discuss the pros and cons, do's and don'ts of operating a piercing pop-up. I also had a chance to sit down with some former co-workers to talk about what it was like working with a body piercer within a tattoo studio. I really enjoyed the conversations, and I hope you will too in an upcoming episode. Also, our former guest, Stephen Dutoma, has gotten his gym up and going in Massachusetts. He has been helping me out from his home base, and it's been about a month since I started the routine, and I can honestly say I love him and I hate him at the same time. If you're looking to start or get a new workout, I would suggest reaching out to him via his Instagram, Gauntlet Endurance. I would like to thank our ongoing sponsors of the podcast, Other Couture Jewelry and Goldheart Woodworks. Other Couture Jewelry's owner, McKnight, has recently been busy with a special project of making an engagement ring for a very special couple. You can view this amazing piece on his Instagram. Our other sponsor, Goldheart Woodworks, has been busy producing those amazing handcrafted displays that really bring your showroom to the next level. Derek has been creating some new designs, so give his company a follow on social media to check those out. You can find more information about these companies under the Sponsors tab on our website, realtalkapiercingpodcast.com. To ask questions, suggest topics, or get more info about your host or today's guest, please visit us at realtalkpiercingpodcast.com. If you have a moment and enjoy the show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcast platform. The views and opinions expressed by the host and guest are their own 
and do not represent the official position of the Association of Professional Piercers or their places of employment. Music by Broke for Free.